Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Welcome to the show, everybody. Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Blog Talk Radio, back sportspage.com here in, on a mid-December day. I know that it's pretty cold up in the Northeast region, having visited there last week, but 60 degrees and somewhat sunny here in Atlanta. Flip-flops on and sets on as well. Seth, how are you doing today? Seth is on. I know he's on. Nope, Seth's not on. I don't know where Seth went. Well, Seth was on. So maybe it's just me for right now. I'm sure Seth will be joining momentarily here on the show. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Fantasy, fantasy playoffs finals where I'm in one. I think Seth's in one. I'm in a consolation bracket. There are a couple of things you need to know here with the fantasy playoffs coming to a close. Um, And we'll get to that in a second. We're going to talk about the best free agent in any sport Um, signing. You can uh, call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846, and give us your impressions of that. We also have some Major League Baseball free agency news, some NFL, and then for the last half hour, We'll go through the worst-run sports franchises, and that could be both – that could be Major League Baseball, that could be NBA, that could be NHL, that could be even soccer. I mean, if you (laughs) happen to know who owns the Portland Portland team or the – I know the New England team is owned by Bob Kraft, but uh, I think it's the Portland Timbers or the Seattle Sound. It is the Portland Timbers. I get some credit for yeah. that, don't I? No, no are, are that? You playing online? No, I'm not looking. I'm not looking this up. I'm not looking this up. I just I saw it this morning that the Portland Timbers MVP, who I believe was the MVP of the league last year, was re-signed to a contract. A, I have no idea who he is. B, I didn't even know Portland had a team. C. The Portland Timbers are a pretty cool team, cool name. I like it. But, D, man, is soccer that bad that I don't even know who the MVP of the league is? Well, anyway. I, I, yeah. I think, so, Seth, welcome. We, we, we missed you the first couple of minutes, but you're back. And uh, how did you do in your fantasy playoffs, sir? Well, I'm two. So, um, one big league I cruised. Thank you, Mike Thomas. My league, I was a 10 and 3 in the number one team in the league. I lost, unfortunately, sadly, because of Michael Thomas. Uh, I did upset the number one seed in the J. Rose League, which I have a feeling that this may be my swan song in that league anyway. And then the other league I played against Lamar Jackson. So, two and two. Um, not the two I would have expected or probably chosen, but at least it makes next weekend interesting. Agreed, agreed. And there are some, there are, were definitely some high, highlights beyond the Lamar Jackson who put up like 40 points. You had Jameis Winston again having a great game. Uh, he led my team to the finals in the one league, and then I'm in the consolation bracket of the other. So I went kind of 1 1 1 1. Uh, this year, this week, but James Winston putting up some astronomical numbers. But this week, it looks like he's going to be not only without Mike Evans, but also without Chris Godwin, and also without uh, I don't even know the last name of this guy. Um, I think his middle name, his last name is Alfred. Hold on, I I had this a second ago. Um, 
No, Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller was also put on the IR today. Who the hell is Scotty, so, the hell is Scotty Miller? The third wideout for Tampa Bay, who, like the Portland wow. Timbers, you never thought you would know the name of. But I thought that was so Rashard Perryman. He was the fourth Ooh. wide receiver who you benefited greatly from this week. So I my, did. What I, losing, what, I was about to, what I was about to say is if you are looking for wideouts or running backs, from my understanding, Bruce Arians today said, we're going to have to throw a lot to our running backs because we just don't have wideouts this week. Well, Ronnie Jones, Peyton Barber, I think are going to get a lot of points on the, on the, on the swing passes, given that Brashard Perryman, the flame out from Baltimore, the f- former first-round pick who did score three touchdowns last week, seems to be the only healthy wide receiver on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But Winston yeah. having a, ren- a renaissance, if you will, in Tampa Bay, and I think it is fait accompli at this point that riding a four-game win streak, the Bucs are going to re-sign Jameis Winston. It may be to the franchise tag for a one-year deal. But I don't see him going anywhere, which is completely different than we said, say, I don't know, a month ago? Six weeks ago? Yeah. He, it's, he is a fantasy – he's a fantasy superstar. I would certainly wouldn't call him in the NFL world one. Um, yeah, I know he, he – him and Mike Thomas almost, almost won a, one of the games by myself. Uh, won one of the games without any other players. That's how good Jameis was. But – I based, but here you just brought up the Peyton Barber Ronald Jones argument. You we've had both of them throughout this year. How do you possibly make a determination on who to start the Tampa Bay running back? They've been terrible, and it actually gives me great pause to even start Winston next next week. Although I don't know off the top of my head who they're playing. I don't think it's a fantastic. I don't think it's a bad matchup, but. It is really pretty tough to start when your top three wideouts are are out, and you're running. Well, do you have any confidence either of them as a a pass receiver out of the backfield? Well, I was just going to check that. Actually, Jameis Winston faces the number thirtieth ranked defense for passing, and that's the Houston Texans, who have not been able to put a pass rush on anybody whatsoever without JJ Watt. Yeah. Yeah, but I, w- I would play Winston this week. I mean, against that beleaguered attack, and worst-case scenario, he might run for 50 yards on top of anything else that he does. Look, the, the Texans' defense is awful. I mean, they traded Clowney. They've lost Watt. They've supplemented their, their secondary. But they are an awful, awful defense. I would play, I, I would play Winston. The decision is going to be him or Prescott against the Eagles. So it'll be a it'll be a tough call because the Eagles defense, as shown by Haskins, what what Haskins did to them last week, is certainly nothing to brag about either. But either of them are pretty advantageous position. The problem I have is half my team is injured, so you know we'll we'll see how that plays out. But I'm underdog in one. I'll be a small favorite in the other. But the other, we'll say either way. I mean, uh, it's been a it's been a fun year, and I don't now feel as bad with our loss <laughs> due to the lack of quarterbacks. Because unless we brought back with Damian Tomlinson, Antonio Brown, and Sean Alexander, we weren't winning this week. We weren't winning the following week. We weren't winning in the, our league anyway in the semis, so it didn't make much of a difference. So, ladies and gentlemen, in in the league that Seth and I play in. There is a team called Christian My Dak. And Christian My Dak was the prohibitive favorite at the beginning of the year. Will be probably standing at the end. His team this week, there were four guys that got under double digits. Four. One of them was the safety. One of them was a linebacker who had nine. And one was the kicker. Even his second to third defensive player had ten. Dallas Goddard had 10, and nobody else had under 20. It was terrifying. They put up, so, so on the average, I would say the winners in our league put up, what, 180, 170 to 180? 
Sometimes That's they touch week. 200. Sometimes they touch 200 if, if it's a really good week. Ladies and gentlemen, Christian Dak put up 268 points this week. <laughs> like, just think about that. The other semifinal was 167 to 157. And I feel bad for a team called From Sours to Dirty Pennies who put up 185 and unfortunately ran into Christian Mydak. So maybe the <laughs> semifinal was the final. Now, I don't feel bad because this is a team that wouldn't trade with us. So I'm very happy for that. But other than that, man, that's just bad luck. That's staying out of the number one seed and hoping that they have a bad day. Well, Christian Mydak, you did not have a bad day. Congratulations to you. Now, let me ask you this. I watched the Giants game in Boston. Yes, I understand. I was A, in Boston, and B, I'm watching the Giants play because I played Eli Manning in one of my leagues, and I was hoping beyond hope that he would have a great day. Well, he didn't have a great day, but the Giants had a great day. What are your feel? I know you have not been the biggest Eli fan, and I know that there – it was a typical Eli day, right? He had like 270 yards, he had two touchdowns, he had three INTs, and they win the game. I'm not asking for your – I'm not asking for what you think of Eli. I'm asking based on what are your feelings with him coming off the field in what is likely to be his last game played for the Giants. You. The guy brings you two Super Bowls. A, he has a 500 record. I think it's 167 and 167, which I was happy he was able to win. So he doesn't finish with yep. a losing record. What were your feelings knowing that this is the last time you'll see Eli Manning? I know it's probably about time, but what are your feelings? My feelings were I'm glad he went out with a win. My feelings are he played a typical Eli Manning game, which is both good and sad. After 15 years, I can still assume there's going to be two or three passes where I have no idea where they're going. Um, I'm glad they won. You know, even though it, it hurts us in the Chase Young sweepstakes because we play Redskins, play the Redskins for pretty much all the marbles on that one. Um, and but look, Giants have lost nine games in a row, eight games in a row. No, you don't want to see it. It's hard to root against your team. I know you've done it many, 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 many times, Sean. But it, it's... Thank you. It's nice. It's just, just accentuating the obvious. But it's... It was nice to see him go off. And now he can... Happen, now he can... It's time for Daniel Jones to take over the team. And they have a lot of needs. And we go for... And we start from there. Yeah, I... I actually, well, I, first of all, I found myself rooting for him for many reasons, but I think more impo- most importantly, I found myself rooting for him is I really didn't want him to be the under 500 guy. I'm not really yeah, sure. that was my feeling as well. I'm not really sure how important that is other than for the Hall of Fame. And I know you and I have discussed whether Eli is a Hall of Famer. I think both of us come on the side that he's not. But if he was under 500, I think that would totally be the knock on him forever. It would be he wasn't a great quarterback. He wasn't even a good quarterback because he was under 500. Eli Manning was a good quarterback. I think we both agree he was a good quarterback. He wasn't a great quarterback. But I don't like hearing somebody degraded basically because of one game. And that's all this would have been. He would have been two games under 500, or he would have been 500. And for a guy like that, who has held himself with great respect, as a Jet fan, I have respected him from close, from afar. The fact that he never got injured. Man, can I count the amount of Jet quarterbacks that have gotten injured in the time that Eli Manning has played the position just across the locker room? It's definitely on double digits. It may be double digits in one year. But the fact is he has played every every single game 
He has never ducked the media. He has never ducked the fans. Look, he went out with his head high, and I'm I'm happy that that happened. Yeah, I think I think that's how even for myself, who thought he should have retired three or four, who, who thought his, he was well past his prime three or four years ago. Um, you know, look, you can never blame somebody who wants to keep doing what they love to do, especially if you're getting paid what he gets paid. So I don't begrudge him for it, but, and he, look, you know, except for the crowd, that whole weird signature based football card signature thing, that controversy he had, which I don't really remember the exacts of, he has held himself in great care as a class act and you wish him well. Um, but he's played 17 years. And he was a top five quarterback half of a year, maybe in two, you know, the, the best year he ever had. And I've said this many times is the best Giants team I've seen since 86 was the 2018 where they were 10 and one when Paxico shot himself uh, right after they beat the 17 and 0 Patriots in the prior series, prior Super Bowl. That was the best Giants team in the last 35 years. And then they fell apart when Paxico shot himself. At that point, he was the top five quarterback. At no other point have I seen him in that. So it's, 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 there's a love-hate relationship in regards to Eli. And I don't think it deserves either. He was a, a relatively good quarterback for a while. And then he was a below-average starting quarterback for the last half of his career. And you know, the Giants have been extraordinarily slow in dealing with this and bringing – Gettleman, who's trying to go back to the 1980s Redskins, isn't really helping. So, but at least they have some of the prime positions ready. So we go from there, and we see we see how it runs from there. But you know, I'm glad it was a good run. The two Super Bowls were much appreciated, and now it's on to the next. It's on to it's on, it's just onward and upward. And that's the hope, right? I mean. So we go from a guy who, and I believe Drew Brees was still in the same draft, right? He was in the Eli Manning draft? No, Philip Rivers was. No, he was in the Michael Vick draft. I'm sorry, he was in the Michael Vick draft, right? I think he was even, he may have even been before that. He may be before think that. that. I, think, I, think, I, think, I thought that Brees was, was the it? first was pick it? in the second round of the Michael Vick draft. It's so hold on. I Drew think Brees. it was 99. I think he was drafted in 99. Um, Drew Brees was but, drafted in 2001. Oh, you're right then. That's the Mike Victor. That's the Mike Vick draft. Woo-hoo! Got something right. Yeah, because Vick was traded to Ladanian Tomlinson. Nate, uh, right? That was Ladanian Tomlinson and. Drew Brees was also in that was in that trade, if I'm correct, which I am. Wait, every once in a while. Wait, wait. number three. It was the number three overall. I'm assuming that's where Tom was. Number was. I don't five. So Tomlinson went five. So it's the five pick, the first pick in the second round, and something else. Um, where it went to the Chargers. So from a guy that needed to retire or was probably ready to retire in Eli Manning to a guy that just broke Peyton Manning's record last night and went 29 for 30, 29 for 30. Like that's insane. And he could have done 30 for 30. He just missed one that, and he missed by that much. So Latavius Murray talk about a guy that is a hundred percent on his game. Drew Brees. And this brings me to my next question, which I think was something I was thinking last night. Is Drew Brees the best free agent pickup ever in any sport? I think he has to be up there, right? It's it's not out of the realm. I mean, he has... You know, he was. Remember, Miami wanted to sell him. Nick Saban desperately wanted to sign him, but they weren't sure on the shoulder. Hence, why they drafted Rivers in 2004. Saban, uh, I forget who overruled Saban. 
I don't remember who the owner was at that point. I don't think it was Stephen Ross. They end up no, it was Wayne Hizenga. Was it Hizenga? Yeah. And then yep. they end up they end up bringing in uh, Dante Culpepper. That doesn't work. New Orleans gets, gets stuck with the retread from Purdue, who ends up with pretty much who owns every single statistic. Well, statistic, number one in everything when he retires. Whenever that may be, they win it all. It's probably this year, but certainly doesn't seem like he's in any great need to. They were sensational last night, and so was he. Yeah, I was trying to think about, so for each sport, who would be the best free agent? So I'm thinking in the NFL, I was coming up with Reggie White and Drew Reggie Brees. White. Yeah. And, and you, could, you could come up with an idea that Peyton Manning brought a Super Bowl to Denver. Like, no. Or Deion, or Deion Sanders in one of the many free agencies that he had went from Dallas to San Francisco and brought oh, basically them. Right, but then he went from Dallas to San Francisco and brought them a yep. Super Bowl. Well, the question so, is, is it, based, is it based on the winning? Is it based on a combination of winning and contract? To me, I mean, in football, I think both of those are head and shoulders above the rest for obvious reasons. Reggie White made Green Bay a destination as opposed to some retread town in the middle of the Midwest. Drew Brees became the face of New Orleans, especially after the hurricane. There is not a more beloved athlete in either sport, in either, in either town, excuse me. So... From that alone, plus each of them bring each of them bring one bring a Super Bowl. New Orleans, obviously, um, and with New Orleans being legitimately jobbed the last couple of years, they still have a chance to bring in a second one. So I, I think I don't think there's any other options. Okay, so let's move on to the other sports. So if you're looking at the NBA, I'm thinking it's Shaq. I mean, you can make the case for LeBron in going to Miami or going to back to Cleveland or Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade or well, you can't make any one of a – I'm just saying any one of a number of – look, the NBA has a lot more free agency than, say, than, say the NFL does in, in terms of the best players moving around. But, yeah, and Dwayne Wade was never really a free agent, so I get that. You could say Kevin Durant moving to Golden State. You can go even further back and, and talk about some of the older generation. But to me, it's got to be Shaq going from, going from Orlando to L.A. I don't think it's that cut and dry. I think I think obviously you put it in the top two, but in reality, neither team wins a title without being brought in. But the reality is, when Shaq when Shaq left six years later, they would with some solid supporting cast, the Lakers would win two more championships with Pau Gasol and with Andrew Bynum. When LeBron left, and he still had Bosch because he was still healthy at that point, and Dwayne Wade. Miami hasn't sniffed the conference final since. So to me, from a value standpoint, Miami's in for, he's in for four years. He goes to four finals. I think Shaq was in for six years. He went to five finals, something like that. Um, or no, I think it was actually six years, four finals. Cause I think Utah beat them twice. So probably from that alone, I would take LeBron. But I can understand the argument. It's not. It's, I can understand the argument either way. I don't think. Again, I'd also have to look at what the contracts were, because I, I don't remember what Shaq's was. And if we're taking that into thing, account, not, I don't think I'm taking into account contracts. I don't think it matters for this case. 
for this take, I think that you are kind of going, well, these are the, this is the influence that they had, not necessarily, not necessarily how much money they made. Because if you're taking into account the money, then it takes away the influence, right? It doesn't necessarily go side by side. No. That's just my if we're not, okay, then if we're going to go in that direction, then it's LeBron. Okay. I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty easy. Okay. okay. So let, so let's move over to baseball. So baseball, I have a couple, and you can put them in different perspective. And again, I'm not looking at contracts. I can tell you what the contracts were, but I'm not putting them in contracts. So you got Barry Bonds, who goes from the Pirates to the Giants. You have A-Rod, who goes from Seattle to Texas. And the reason for A-Rod is not necessarily what he did, but the difference in the sport since what he did. So understand that A-Rod, and this is where the money may come in, I understand, is that A-Rod made 10 years of $252 million. And to... One of my friends who is a Texas Ranger fan, he said that was the demise of the Rangers right then and there. The deal surpassed the previous U.S. athlete record for a total value, which was six years and $126 million. So it doubled it. Just an amazing amount of money. So if you want to keep going, Reggie Jackson in the five years and 2.9 in 1977 I would say Greg Maddox, and not because Greg Mad, not because of that, he had five years and $28 million, but he turned down. He was the first real free agent to say, I don't want to play with New York. I have no desire to play in New York, and I'm going to go to Atlanta. And he took five years and 28 instead of five years and 34. And understanding that today, that seems like, a pittance, five years and 28 for the best pitcher of his generation. But back then, $28 million in five years, 5.7, was a huge amount of money in baseball. In fact, for a while, it was the most money in baseball. So those, and, and then you have Randy Johnson going to, to, Arizona. Going to Arizona. So those would be the ones that I would put on a pedestal. As far as influence, I think Barry Bonds wins it hand over fist, right? Um, probably, although Reggie, I'm not sure Reggie didn't influence his era as much as Barry influenced his. Because Reggie brought New York back. Okay, so hold on a second, guys. We're up a little bit. I can see Reggie. I can see Jim Catfish Hunter in there. And when you get back to those guys, you have to talk about Andy Messerwick. And you're saying, who the heck is Andy Messerwick? Well, let me give you a little schooling on, on, on free agency. So Catfish Hunter became the first free agent after Charlie Finley did not properly meet his contract. Basically, he just let it go. Kirk Flood got the conversation going because he brought the what was called the reserve clause to the Supreme Court. But free agency didn't become an institution, didn't become what we know it today, until it was granted to Andy Messerworth and Bob Mc, Dave McNally in 1975. So Messerworth said in the Sporting News, it was less of an economic issue at the time, than a fight for the right to control your own destiny. It was a matter of being tired of going to negotiate a contract and hearing owners say, this is what you get and you're done. So the point being, without Messersworth, without McNally, without Kirk Flood, while their free agency on their teams that they later had was not as influential, you can make the case that those three guys were the most influential, not only baseball free agents, 
but sports free agents. Baseball was the first league to have free agency. Yes, they were. I think basketball was second with Spencer Haywood. And then third was the NFL, and fourth was hockey. And Wait so, a minute. You, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yep. Spencer, Spencer Haywood became a free agent in 1970, I believe. And I think that predates, actually. Basically. It definitely does. If that was, I thought it was 72. Hold on. I thought it was 72. We're going to look that up. Championship seventy two to seventy four. I'm gonna look this up. Hold on. Uh, okay, so in 1970, Hayward joined the Seattle SuperSonics. With the SuperSonics owner launched an antitrust suit against the league. The case went all the way to the Supreme Court before the NBA agreed to a settlement. So basically. They didn't declare free agency. They settled with Haywood. That's a big difference. So I, I'm looking it up right now as to whether that was the start of free agency. I don't believe it was. Um, hold on. I'm getting that right now. Um, because this was the ABA versus the NBA. So it wasn't an NBA team to another NBA team. So I believe that... Yeah, I'm looking for, okay, I think, okay, in 1976 is when the NBA went to the, turned out the ABA. I'll have to look more about this because I I, I don't believe that was the first NBA free agency history. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I am losing this here. Uh, The first NBA free agency the current free agency system was introduced March 1st, 1993. So obviously there was uh, Tom Chambers in July 1988 was the first NBA free agent in the current form. So maybe there might have been something there, where, but I think it was more of a settlement for Haywood. So I think it went... Baseball, football, baseball, then it was basketball, but it was 1989, because Reggie moved in 1992. So baseball, basketball, football, hockey. And I think if you're looking for a free agency, a free agent in hockey, look no further than number 11, Mark Messier. Wasn't Messier created? He was traded, then he went, right, but then he went free agency to Vancouver, if you recall, because the, because the Rangers wanted to sign Joe Sackick, and what had happened was it may not have opened, it may not have been on the ice most influential, but for Messier to win a championship with the Rangers, and then all of a sudden say, I'm gone in 95 was as big a turn as you could possibly get. If you're looking for an individual player for what he did for the sport, it's Ilya Kovalchuk. Because Ilya Kovalchuk's contract, which is still has repercussions for the New Jersey Devils, was 15 years long. <laughs> The same as Rick DiPietro, all these bad contracts. So, so there were long-lasting repercussions for that. Okay, speaking of the New Jersey Devils, and I know you don't follow hockey as much as I do, what are, what are the feelings in the Northeast on, the, on giving up the MVP Taylor Hall to the Phoenix Coyotes? Or have you not heard very much because – Hockey's just not that important in New Jersey. Pretty much the latter. I mean, the, the gist of it is they weren't. Gonna, they made a decision they weren't going to resign him, and they didn't want that he wasn't going to resign, so they didn't want to pull a Tavares. And I'm sorry, but that's now a verb. Yep. Or now. Yeah. 
but that's the gist of it. So I don't know enough about the prospects to know the value, but the team is not winning this year. They are very young with uh, Hosier and Jack Hughes, and they just brought in new, and they fired Hines as their coach. So the team's in rebuild anyway. So if this, if, if you're bringing in two, I know that the pick is top three protected, and I know there's two other prospects that came with it. So if you're not winning and he's not going to, there's no way he's going to resign. Then you go, then you call it a day. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's what the Mets should have done with Zach Wheeler. I completely get that. And speaking of Zach Wheeler, so let's see where you and I went wrong. We missed <laughs> on Madison Baumgartner. Yeah. I right? Completely, completely missed. Both of us completely missed. What I found out, surprisingly, was Baumgartner, who goes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, for five years and $75 million. So he doesn't get the $100 million that you and I both thought. From what I have read, the last place he wanted to play was anywhere with the DH. The boy loves to hit. So he was going to a National League team. So my choice of him going to Minnesota was never going to happen anyway. And as, and as Adam Sandler says in The Wedding Singer, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday when I'm making that type <laughs> of selection. But anyway, so we're wrong on there. Rendon, both of us, wrong. He goes not to Texas, but he goes to Los Angeles to play for the Angels. Garrett Cole does go to the Yankees. We, I think we talked about that last week. Zach you Wheeler disagreed. goes to Philly. You, I'm I was, sorry? I, I thought, thought he was going. You did not think he was going there. No, I thought he was going to the Angels. I thought that this was a total flip. I thought the Angels would get Cole and that Rendon would go to the, uh, go to the Rangers. And what I didn't understand and has, again, things that should have been brought to my attention when making these selections, is that Garrett Cole has been a Yankee fan since he was six years old. You didn't know Did that? Did you know that? Yeah. No, I had no idea. I had no idea. No idea. None. Now, based on the contract that was given, regardless of whether he was a fan or not, he would have become a fan pretty quickly. Oh, that's true. But I saw the picture of him as like a six-year-old with that sign, and I'm like, well, you sure that's not Jeffrey Mayer? No, he's playing with Nuremberg. Jeff- last, uh, I guess he's probably, he's yeah, probably he in his 30s now. Jesus. Yes, sir, we are old. We are definitely yes, old. Yes, we are. Okay. Okay. So we started with this. We, we, we definitely hyped this up last week, talking about the worst franchises in sports. And next week we have our Christmas edition. We'll, we'll do it on Christmas Eve, probably a little, I don't know. We might do it at the same time as we should at 5 o'clock. We'll see what, Chris, we'll see what Santa says. Um, and we'll, say, we'll, we'll ask you all, and we'll, we'll give our gifts for the upcoming year. And then the week after is our New Year's Eve edition. Shocking how that happens. The day, the day, the week after is exactly the same day. And we'll talk about our MVPs and our our most interesting players for the last decade. We're not going to do a whole decade in review. That will take us a very long period of time. But we will be we will be using a platform to discuss. Uh, the last decade in which players that you might have forgotten, players that made an influence, and then the weekend after, we'll give you your predictions for the following decade, the 2020s, I guess. Man, how did we get to 2020? Anyway, just seems like yesterday it was the turn of the millennium. Uh, anyway, that being said, Seth, worst, for, worst franchise in baseball. Who, is, who would you give the worst ownership in baseball to? I'm debating whether to put the Mets. 
Okay, not hearing you. Not hearing anything you're saying. I think you start with the Florida Marlins. Um, Ownership has been a disaster. Inability to keep players, inability to create fan interest. You bring in Jeter as your, as, as I guess the face owner, for lack of a better term, the outside guy. And the first thing he does is jettison, you know, uh, Jeff Conine and Andre Dawson, who were icons on teams that won titles years ago in Florida. Um, they lose now again. They've had some issues. The Jose Fernandez, Jose Fernandez tragically dies. Who, is it Fernandez, the uh, the pitcher. I'm forgetting. Yep. I'm, I'm you got the last name. Okay. You know, no, you who, been the, who was the ace for the next 10 years and beloved down there? Um, they trade Mike, uh, formerly Mike Giancarlo Stanton, to the Yankees. Um, they're a franchise in a tough division with no fan base, no players, and not much hope. So I'd probably start with them. Okay. See, and I'm going to give Jeter and his crew the benefit of the doubt. Yes, it was unpopular to get rid of Conine and Dawson and I believe Tony Perez and a couple of others. I get that. But as you said, they were put in a tough spot to begin with. They have no fan base. They have a stadium which, which the fans are continuously paying off and may pay off in the next 30 years. I get it. I totally get it. But I'm not going to put them there. I'm just not. I don't think that – I think give them a couple of more years. I really think that the Marlins are doing it the right way with prospects, and they will get to the – they will come back. Now, the question is, will they develop, once they – Will they develop a fan base? Will they develop a fan base? And if they win, A, will the fan base come, and B, will they keep the team? And by keep the team, I don't mean they'll sell the team. I mean keep the players. Will they spend the money? So I'm not, I'm not going to agree with you on, on the Marlins at all. If I'm going to put a team there, the worst ownership, and I'm not talking the Mets because the Mets are <laughs> a, a, diff, they're a different color. I've been harping on them for years. And at the end of the day, the Mets spend $140 million. They may be bad ownership. They may be penny pinchers, but penny pinchers to $140 million, I don't have a problem with. I would love for them to spend like the Yankees, but that's just not the way right now. If I want to put a worse franchise, a worse ownership, you have to look no further than the Pittsburgh Pirates with Bob Nutting. Let's look at this, shall we? Garrett Cole traded for nothing. Austin Matthews, oh, sorry, Austin Meadows traded for nothing. Tyler Glasnow traded for nothing. This team consistently has payrolls under $80 million. They have one of the best parks in baseball. They filled the park, yet this ownership does not pay for their players. They, they had a, a tremendous run. In the, in the middle part of this decade, they just didn't keep the players around. The, no, it's Pittsburgh. It's not, sorry, it's not going to be the Marlins. Not yet. Give them a couple more years. Maybe the Marlins make their way into the worst. But right now, they're not. Okay, let's move on to another sport. Give me your football team. Worst ownership in, in football. I think there's only one way you can go with this. And if I, when I left D.C. in 2003, there was a 25-year wait for season tickets. Now you can't give them away. Awful, now, to be fair, Snyder is willing to spend, but the people he has put around him are psycho fans. And he is a team that in 17 years, I think, has won one playoff game, I believe. Then they chased that quarterback out of town. They 
don't build. They try they try flashy signings that don't work. The owner is despised. The team has gone from beloved to a laughing stock. Franchising the NFL is the Washington Redskins. See, and, and again, I disagree. And I don't like Snyder. I don't like anything that Snyder has done. I hate the stadium. I hate the fact that the stadium is outside of the city. It's a landmark. It's the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and it's all because of Dan Snyder, right? Because he wanted that stadium. Because I no, maybe Jack Ken Cook wanted the stadium first, and Snyder. No, he didn't. I think it was called Jack Ken Cook Stadium. So maybe I'm wrong there. I'm going to take the longer view. So Dan Snyder has owned the team, what, for 25 years, give or take? Give or take. All right. There's a guy that's owned, the, there's a guy that's owned his team for over 50 years and has done the same crap year in and year out. He doesn't spend. He doesn't – look, the NFL is made for parity. It's made that everybody makes the same amount of money, give or take. Look, you have your outside endorsements, but the television package is meant so everybody makes relatively the same amount of money. And yet, the Bungles with Mike Brown have a scouting staff, last I, last I read, of four. <laughs> so whatever you want to say about Dan Snyder, he spends money to try and make his team better. He will always spend money to try and make his team better. The money may be misspent. But he's always amongst the top in spending. He's always trying to give his team an edge, whether that be Deion, Deion Sanders or Bruce Smith. Look, he signed Alex Smith. Unfortunately, Alex Smith gets hurt, right? But he's spending the money to make his team good. The team is miserable not because of Dan Snyder. The team is miserable because of Bruce Allen. Do you really think it's Dan Snyder? Because I don't. No, that's why I was, that's why I was discussing the psycho fans. The psycho fans. Right. But him and Vinny Serrato, but the reality is Bruce Allen has been there for 15 years. He's had more, he's right. had more longevity than any other GM in football. And the only reason he's probably there is because his father was George. Yep. But at a certain point, that runs its course. Oh, I don't disagree. But I don't think – but that doesn't make ownership bad. Or are you blaming – Which I can go. Your your inability to to bring in the right person, to bring in the right people, your inability to win over a fan base that should love you. See, the thing with Cincinnati is, yes, they are cheap, and Mike Brown, Mike Brown they, don't, they don't spend. But since he does have a fan base, D.C. has lost its fan base. That to, me is the, is the, that, to me, is the deciding factor. You really think they've lost their fan base? I'm, I'm serious. A like, lot of it. I'm yeah, not sure if they can't – I'm not sure if they started winning that that fan base wouldn't I'm be sure there. Would, I'm sure they would come back. But you haven't won in 17 – you've won one playoff game in 17 years, at least. I think longer, maybe. But not even a playoff. I mean, hell, Dallas has won two, what, two since 94, the 94 championship? But they've been competitive. The Redskins haven't even been competitive in 15 of these 18 years. Okay. I can since see that. Since went to the playoffs. Okay, so – Since you went to the playoffs five years. I mean, they were competitive. Yep. Yeah. Well, Marvin Lewis brought him there, right? I mean, without Marvin Lewis, you would be turning, you'd be probably talking about the Bengals in the same way that you would be talking about the Redskins. Potentially. And the ironic part is that the Redskins, the Bengals hired Marvin Lewis after the Redskins fired him. That's the irony. Okay. So let's look into – we've talked about baseball. We've talked the about NBA. football. The, the NBA. NBA. The NBA. I don't think there is a question here. 
although I talk about spending money as a barometer, and James Dolan has always spent money. Spent money. He spent money, but under the under the Seth Kamen's rule of the the owner is responsible for all the people under him, you absolutely win this argument, hundred percent. Because it's very first of all, it's very hard. The NBA is the only league that I'm aware of. No, the NHL does too, but it's much different. The NBA is one of the few leagues that I'm aware of that has a minimum salary floor. So you must spend X amount of dollars. So that means that I believe the money aspect of my rationale as to who is the worst owner does not apply as much in the NBA because you are forced to spend that much money. So it's James Dolan, (laughs) right? I mean, is there any – any other owner that comes remotely close to James Dolan? I don't. Uh, no, I mean there's some franchises that are not that are not great. Um, you know, Sacramento has gone through God knows how many reinventions. Although they're in the, kind of the middle of a good one right now. Um. But I don't think there's anybody close. I mean, have you ever heard a positive word about James Dolan? I guess other than bringing in Phil Jackson originally, which in theory sounded okay, although it's not really the position he was in. Is there anyone else? Have you ever heard a positive thing about James Dolan in regards to the NBA? The most positive thing that I heard of James Dolan actually had nothing to do with Phil Jackson. It was when he hired Donnie Walsh. That was the most positive thing. I'm going to leave Donnie Walsh to do what Donnie Walsh needs to do. And for a couple of years, there was peace and tranquility in New York. And then Carmelo became available. (laughs) And... Donnie Walsh said, we can wait. We can wait. He'll come here in free agency. We can wait. And like James Dolan does, we need it today. And they give up Gallinari, Winston Chandler, two first-round picks. And basically, they gutted the team for a guy that was going to come here anyway. It happened on Valentine's Day weekend or in the middle of All-Star weekend. In 2010, because I was in Jamaica, and I and I remember turning to the person I was with and said, "It's amazing you can get the best player in the league, best player in the deal, and still mess it up." And that's what they did, because James Dolan did not listen to Donnie Walsh. It's that simple. Okay, hockey. It's not James Dolan, right? Because he lets the hockey people be hockey people. He lets Glenn Sather run so, the Okay, I'm losing you again. All right. It's probably – I mean, I want to do this quickly. There's only seven minutes left. I would think it would be Florida. I mean, you're, you know this better than I do. But Florida, I think, has gone to the playoffs twice in 20 years. Fan base is eh. I mean, I, I don't have as much of it. I know Phoenix went into bankruptcy 10 years ago. I know the Islanders have kind of gone through a zillion different, you know, gone through owners. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I base so much of it on a fan base, and I don't know if Florida has one. They certainly don't have one. They certainly don't have one to match in New York yeah, team would... outside of Florida. I would agree with that. I think it's either them or Columbus, not Nashville. Nashville is ridiculously on a fan base, but them or Columbus. And I'm going through, no, the worst owner. And I'm sorry, I'm going to take all that back. The worst owner is up in Ottawa. The absolute worst owner is up in Ottawa. Ottawa takes contracts that fill salary cap requirements, but don't have to, 
don't have to pay the money because the bonus was already paid. So they meet the floor based on that type of concept. And then they're in lawsuits perpetually about getting a new arena that they want the Canadian taxpayer to pay. It's, it's melanin. It's not even close. Okay. We have five minutes left. Seth, if you'd like to go first or would you like me to go first? Either way works for me. I'll go first. Uh, two quick things or three quick things. Number one, uh, to tell you how old we, how long I've been doing this kind of thing, Sean, I'm sitting in Manhattan, uh, the Manhattan community studio going to tape the second, the second decade the second annual so much to talk about decade review with Nabate in about five in about a half hour. So that should be fun and can prepare me well for our final of the year. Uh, number two, happy birthday to the to the CEO and visionary, for lack of a better term, back sports page with Andy Zelia, turning the big four oh. And congratulations to Newtown, as I'm sure everyone has seen, you know, seven years to the day after Sandy Hook scoring a touchdown in the in the last play of the game to win the high school championship. 13-7. Who would have thunk it? So that's all for me. Okay. I didn't get your middle one because I, I got booted off. What was the middle one that you were saying? Happy birthday you said to you had three Zellian. things. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to Randy. To Randy. Well, a, a very happy birthday to Randy Zalia. Um, I would like to say there are not many speeches that I listen to with great intent. And there are not many speeches specifically regarding sports players that I listen to with great intent. But every year I listen to two sets of speeches. I listen to all the Hall of Famers and I, because I think that it's valuable to listen to the best of the best and see who they think and see who they go back and say, this person was important. And most of the time, it's a minor league pitching coach. This is the, or it's their bantamweight hockey coach. And in this respect, I think it's important to, to identify the, the, quote, little people in one person's career. And then I go and listen to the Heisman speech. Because the Heisman speech, look, I am not awestruck very much. I think Seth and I have probably gotten past the point of, hey, there's a celebrity. I'm going to go giddy over the celebrity, especially if it's a sports star. Because we've talked to them. We've been in their presence. I don't know if there – and Seth and I have talked offline about this. I don't know if there is a sports star right now that if I met, I would go giddy and jump up and down or even be nervous around anymore. And if there was one, it might be Sandy Koufax. Like it might be one of the old school guys. And then you have Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow won the Heisman Trophy, went from Ohio State to LSU, had a tremendous game. Tremendous game in the, in the, in the SEC championship game. Tremendous season. And here he is in front of all the Heisman Trophy winners. And to me, that would be a little intimidating. It's not one. It's like 40 of them. And so you have those guys, and he puts up a speech that was incredible. Joe Burrow comes from a very um, modest background. His father was was a teacher and a coach for, I believe, the last 41 years. And he comes from a place called Athens, not Athens, Georgia, but Athens, Ohio. And he basically said all these underprivileged, impoverished people in Athens, Ohio, if I can make it here, you can make it here. And I think that that was so great of him to use that platform to deal with that type of issue. Okay, next week, Christmas edition, what do you wish for in 2020? Uh, we're going to go through the leagues. We're going to go through our favorite teams and see what we can get. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsFace.com, Blog Talk Radio. And we'll check you next week, everybody. Have a good one and stay warm up there in the Northeast.